after our video going over the main takeaways from our 14th Global EM Corporate Conference held in Miami last week. My name is Waim Hong and I cover EM Corporate Strategy here at JP Morgan. I'm joined today by my colleagues Elisa Myers, also in EM Corporate Strategy, and Natalia Corfield, who heads up the Latin America Corporate Research Team. Before we go into the main takeaways, I would like to take this opportunity to thank the investors and issuers who came to our conference this year. We had full participation after returning to an in-person format last year with about 150 EM issuers from all three regions, which is a new record for our conference. We think this reflects the development of the asset class, both in terms of size as well as quality, with issuers proactively engaging investors to foster transparency and communication. For those of you who couldn't make it this time, we do hope this video will be useful in providing a sense of the conference. And we also look forward to welcoming you to our future conferences. In terms of this video, I'll first summarize the overall takeaways, after which Elisa will go over the on-site survey, and Natalia will then share views and takeaways specifically for Latin America. The overall sentiment at the conference was a mix of near-term concerns over the macro environment surrounding rate inflation against a more constructive stance on the EM corporate asset class or the medium to longer term. Given the macro uncertainty, we sensed a lack of directional conviction towards either a bullish or bearish positioning. The interplay between inflationary pressure and the trajectory of policy rates was on everyone's mind, and the data dependency was making it difficult to take strong views. This sentiment was indeed justified over the past week with the latest developments around the stress in some US regional banks leading to drastic shifts in expectations and rate volatility. Now, Elisa, I would like to turn to you for a recap of the survey results we held at the conference. Thanks, William, for that introduction. We certainly had quite a number of questions in our survey. Um, so if I go over all the results, it may take quite a while. So maybe I'll focus on a few key themes we tried to address in a survey. So we focused on inflation-related questions, um, positioning and flows, as well as fundamental perspectives, and then finally also regional expectations and views. So in terms of uh, inflation-related questions and recession, um, I would say the biggest risk to um, market performance that was highlighted by investors was the persistent inflation that will lead to more tightening and then eventually deeper recession. That was the takeaway uh, on the risks where 60% of respondents picked this as the biggest risk. Uh, the far second one was worsening geopolitical uh, relations that garnered only 30% of the of uh, polled um, participants. Um, on the terminal Fed funds rate, we had more than 50% of respondents expecting the uh, terminal Fed funds rates to reach mid 5% levels. There was also a fair bit of a tail uh, on the higher end where investors um, in the rest of the bucket really saw rates above 5%. Only 2% um, of the participants saw uh, the um, terminal fund rates at 5% or below. Now, in terms of rate cuts, expectations for rate cuts were really uh, for 2024, uh, both in the first and half of uh, the year. Overall, those participants uh, totaled 85%. Only about 5% of the participants expected rate cuts 
sometime in 2023, so a very small minority. And lastly, in this section, I would say recessionary concerns. Um, generally, investors did not expect the Fed to be able to engineer a soft landing, but only a third saw a deeper U.S. recession as, as the main uh, outcome. And uh, furthermore, only 5% of those respondents expected that to trigger a global recession. So overall, still quite uh, a lot of views focused on inflation-related concerns and the resulting um, recession after or in, in such a case. Thank you, Alisa, for that. Um, I guess this week uh, there's just been a dramatic shift in terms of expectations, so uh, maybe some of the responses might have been different uh, this week around, but you know, let's see what uh, the market policy um, plans are going forward. Um, what is the next session you want to focus on? Sure. So in terms of positioning and overall performance, I think it's uh, definitely always interesting to know what the positioning expectations are. Of course, those can change. And uh, this week is an interesting one in terms of what the changes could be. Um, but as far as last week went and what the expectations were at that time, investors that participated in this survey still saw um, positive total returns for the SEMBI this year at 5 to 9%. Um, and perhaps that's the reason why we still saw a number of investors indicate their um, um, plans to increase positions in EM corporates. So 60% of investors surveyed expected their allocations to EM corporates increase this year. About 30% expected them to stay uh, around current levels. Um, EM corporates were picked as the preferred EM fixed income asset class together with EM local currency sovereigns. So those were the two picks on the EM fixed income side, but still within the broader set of asset classes, U.S. credit was picked as the largest uh, by the largest share of participants as the best performing asset class for 2023. So that was interesting within the context of EM, still a good performer, but perhaps more opportunities elsewhere if you expand it to broader fixed income. Now, um, alternative to fundamentals and standalone uh, health of the corporates, uh, unless YMU uh, have any further comments on, on the um, positioning and overall uh, views and performance. But in terms of fundamentals, I think we, we had an interesting uh, sort of shift from where we saw investors' views uh, a year ago. Overall, there was a sense that um, more investors found um, Fundamentals, uh, a place that is of more concern this year. Uh, so over half of the investors that took the survey uh, felt that fundamentals would deteriorate for EM corporates this year. Uh, generally, we still find fundamentals uh, in a robust shape for EM corporates on an aggregate levels, but there was a sense that the marginal 10, 20% of the issuers are gonna have a more uh, difficult year this year. And it will be important to watch what the global growth uh, slow down as well as implications of prolonged high inflation and lower issuance uh, conditions will uh, will do for those uh, issuers. One final theme perhaps on fundamentals is the corporate governance issuers. Um, we've seen investors um, focus on those a bit more uh, on the issues of corporate governance now that we've had a few situations in Latin America and also in India. Um, so we think investors are going to continue to be a bit more discerning on that topic. Um, at the same time, we do think that a couple of bad apples should not tarnish the basket. So while we have had a few situations, we do think that they're quite specific to those segments 
and this is not a broader issue. Now, in terms of these uh, corporate governance issues and generally higher level of distressed trading bonds, we've also had higher interest in distressed opportunities. So anecdotally, we had a pretty strong participation in a panel on this topic uh, with a full room of uh, investors in attendance. So definitely, I think fundamentals is a bigger topic for young corporates this year uh, than it was at the end uh, of uh, 2022. Thanks, Elisa. It's a very helpful wrap-up of the survey results. Um, I'd like to also turn it out to Natalia. Um, one of the also responses from the uh, survey was that uh, the majority or the largest uh, response for the best performing region within EM corporates this year was picked as Latin America. Now, uh, we had 105 issuers from Latin America at the conference, which is a new record. So Natalia, um, given sort of this very strong participation, expectation by investors for LATAM to be a good performing asset class or the preference, could you share what you heard from both your investors as well as issuers um, and the sentiment around the region? Sure, and thank you, YM and, and Aliza. I'll be short in my, in my answers. And uh, I'll start by saying that uh, there were some things that were surprising for me. And uh, the first one, was the fact that international investors, they actually like Brazil. Because I could confirm that the local investor is very bearish Brazil. But I was surprised to find out that the, the international investors, they actually like Brazil and like Brazil quite a lot. I was not expecting uh, such a reaction. I have to say that one explanation for that was the fact that Brazil is, they were telling me, Brazil is a big market in, in EM corporates. So it's a market that uh, is very hard to ignore. So that was one point. But despite that, I felt that um, despite the problems that we have uh, with refinancing locally, and despite the political environment in Brazil, the investors, they were quite constructive when looking from outside Brazil, whereas the local Brazilians, very bearish. I would say also that um, I could confirm that Mexico is a consensus darling. Everybody likes Mexico. Not too many people concerned about the elections, but we could see already some investors thinking about the elections next year. But for this moment in time, Mexico is still the darling, which I think goes in line with our corporate survey. Peru, we had mixed views. Some people are worried about the protest and the political situation, and some others are not. And I would say that uh, we are in the camp of the others that are not so concerned about the political situation, driven, I believe, uh, by the views of Alejandro, who is a local Peruvian. And I would say that uh, we had some consensus underweight on TMT Chile. Petrobras also was a consensus that um, it's, uh, it's uh, trading very expensive uh, over the sovereign. And I would say mixed views on China reopening impact on Latin America. Some people believe that uh, because of the sentiment, uh, it will help drive uh, spreads tighter. But most others or some others were of the view that this is not driven by infrastructure. Therefore, there shouldn't be so much of an impact in commodity prices. And as a, as a result, not so much of an impact in the region. So. Those are my main uh, my main topics with regards to Latin America. Thanks a lot, Natalia, uh, for sharing your thoughts. Um, 
Elisa, what about the other regions? Obviously, we had participation by corporates and also issuers from CEMIA as well as Asia region. Uh, any interesting takeaways uh, you'd like to highlight from there? Sure. Um, so I would say after Latin America, the next uh, segment where investors uh, highlighted their interest to allocate to would be uh, Asia and uh, Asia X China. So combined all uh, together, the both um, sort of components um, garnered around 30% of responses, um, lagging LATAM, but still not too far behind. In terms of the preferred credits or picks within Asia credit, the poll highlighted Indian credits, both on IG and high yield side, as the clear beneficiaries of investor interest. Um, there was a few specific topics with the re regards to Asia that were on investors' minds, such as what is the highest risk uh, that was stated as geopolitical risks. Uh, there was also focus on investability of uh, China. Um, the segments uh, that investors still find, I think, some value in, and also our analysts um, see value in as well, are sectors such as TMT, Consumer, Macau Gaming, Korea, and India Renewables, again, levels depending, but those could be some of the more interesting sectors to allocate to within um, Asia. Now, switching to CME, it's certainly a very diverse region between very highly um, rated Middle Eastern corporates and also very low rated high yield corporates. Um, in terms of Middle East, um, investors certainly find the segment to be a bit boring, but defensive. And we do sense that there has been much higher allocation in this segment uh, than in the past. Um, our fund holding studies also substantiate that finding uh, where we've seen more allocation to Middle East uh, over the past year. Um, we would um, also highlight uh, one of the takeaways from the survey where nearly 50% of participants noted that they would rather wait for new issues for some concessions in Middle East. So overall, um, I don't think investors find valuations here very attractive, uh, but it's certainly a segment that's been producing more issuance and perhaps there's uh, more interest given its stability. On Turkey, investors have been underweight and there is a general sense that they will keep their allocations at similar levels. Although I would say that our on-site survey produced uh, somewhat of interesting response where there was a higher skew to investors that may change their mind if there is a change in the government. So um, overall, it seems like investors are still focusing on their underweight position and intending to keep it that way. Uh, but that could change depending on the uh, outcome of elections. Uh, two final uh, bits on, on this region, I would say, is high yield oil theme. Uh, so this is something that investors still have different levels um, of interest and involvement in. But there's a number of names with uh, different, uh, you know, yield levels that could be interesting to allocate to anywhere from 10 to 30 percent, as uh, noted by our um, head of CEMIA team. Uh, now, in terms of the discussions with uh, in select panels, as well as uh, talks with um, um, investors, I would say uh, one interesting takeaway for me was that uh, uh, Middle East project bonds came up as um, as a segment of choice. Uh, these are rated generally uh, single or double A and trade uh, at the triple B level. So um, this is not a theme that has come up in prior years, but we have uh, seen more interest from both panel discussions and investors in this segment. 
Thanks a lot, Lisa. Um, so that's a very useful um, additional color on, on the regional side as well. Uh, we'll wrap up this video at this point. Thank you for joining us. You can also find the full takeaway note in the um, email as well as on JPMM. Also, as usual, feel free to contact any of our team members for questions or follow-ups. Thank you very much.